Hello, welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. How's everybody doing? We've got another good episode for you this week. This really Absolutely. could be a part of our stalker series and another just thing that scares the shit out of you as, as a father of a, a young daughter. Yes. Just the kind of creeps that your daughter could briefly date and then they just can't let it go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's terrifying. Them, it is. It is. There's this guy kind of like... Either. Yeah, dated her for a minute, and then a year later, still stalking her, and ultimately does something horrible. Mm. It's understandable. So. I mean, beautiful girl. When I started looking into this case, I was like, at first, I thought human trafficking. Honestly, mm-hmm. I did. You know, early on, we've seen this so many times, and then the strange way that she disappears. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, very but interesting it, case. One of those, uh, in, one of those instances where the victim just had this feeling too that something wasn't right. She could sense that she was being stalked and told her mother just yes. a day prior to Dude. her abduction that like she was paranoid about getting yeah. murdered and yes. next thing you know. Boom. Yeah. I mean, you have to Awful. trust that intuition. And you, if you have, yep. if you have family members, especially if you have children come into you, you know, and I'm not trying to blame their, her mother or the family or no, anything no. like that. Um, you never know. And then, of course, we're all a little bit paranoid this day and age. Uh, <laughs> I think that goes without yeah. saying. But sometimes Very it's better case to be, too. It, yeah, yeah. But it's better to be paranoid and alive. I always say. True. That could be a t-shirt. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it's better to be paranoid and alive. And True alive, guys. We'll put. It's better to be paranoid. Dot 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 in the back and alive. All right. All right. Well, let's get into it. She didn't mention anything. She didn't mention no one specific. She just mentioned, "I'm really, really scared. I'm really." I'm paranoid, mommy. I'm getting anxiety attacks, and she couldn't. She was like hardly, you know, she could have, having a hard time talking. And I, I would tell her, calm down. You need to calm down and tell me, you know, why is it that you're feeling this way? Like, did somebody threaten you? Did you see somebody outside your house? Obviously, I asked about the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend, um, and she said no. If anything, you know, I felt comfortable him being with me here. Now that he's you know, gone because I had broken up on Thursday. Now I'm going to be scared being here, you know, like just continuing with her living there by herself. She was just really scared about that. It's just the, the whole, um, her being afraid of being in her permanent mentioning. I'm afraid someone's going to murder me. Like the women that she sees or, or hears about getting murdered and that her story ending up We wonder who made her feel this way. Did somebody mention to her somebody's out to get you or somebody? You know, they might think that she's just a runaway, that she's just, you know, going into bad things or whatever. No, that's not the case. I can promise you that's not the case. She did. She, she wasn't looking for anything at two in the morning or or saying, oh, well, I'm going to go to a club or whatever. No, that's not real. She hated those places. There's so many questions that I have, and um, I'm sure they're doing their thing, their, their investigation, their part, but I think I need to know. I, I think I need to know where, you know, where, just I don't even know how to explain it. I think I need to know. So our case this week is the murder of Valerie Reyes. Very recent case, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and just one of those terrible cases where this this poor young woman met the wrong guy, thought she could trust yeah. him, broke up with him, and he just could not let it go. And uh, the jealousy and rage overtook him. And uh, yeah, mm. we'll, start it out, we'll start it out with the discovery of the body. So on February 5th in 2019, at approximately 8.30 in the morning, a group of highway workers were on a routine sweep of a public road in Greenwich, Connecticut, 
One of the workers noticed a suspicious red suitcase about 15 to 20 feet away from the road in a wooded area alongside the road. One of the workers approached this large suitcase uh, and upon opening it began vomiting from the foul smell that came out of it. Mm. And they immediately called the police because they knew that this had to have been, you know, a corpse of some sort, probably not animal if it's in a suitcase like this. Right. And so when the police arrived, they discovered the suitcase contained the dead body of a young woman. And it wouldn't take long for the Connecticut police to connect the dots. There was a young woman that had been missing for weeks, and she only lived about 15 miles from where the suitcase was found. And two days later, their suspicious would, suspicions would be confirmed when they would, uh, the coroner would discover that it's 24-year-old Valerie Reyes. She was wearing jeans and an unbuttoned shirt when they found the body and was barefoot. Her knees and ankles were bound with a combination of white twine and packing tape. Her wrists were tied behind her back and she had more packing tape wrapped all around her mouth and chin in multiple layers. Jesus. And tragically it would turn out that, you know, she had been alive, uh, potentially oh, while no. in this suitcase. Yeah. Just horrendous. Her oh, body had God. been there for, uh, about two weeks apparently and had started to show the early stages of decomposition. She had a multitude of injuries around her head and face, including a cracked skull, broken nose, fractured cheekbones, and a large hematoma. And it looked, you know, obviously as though she'd been beaten badly. Yes. Um, and it didn't appear as though there was a blunt object. It was, you know, determined to be just fists, just a brutal beating from someone. This sounds, this sounds like a crime of passion. Mm-hmm. 100%, dude. 100%. Yeah. Mm. Even though she was that badly beaten, her official cause of death would be ruled homicidal asphyxiation due to the tape around her mouth and the injuries to her face that would have made it difficult for her to breathe. Um, and then being trapped in that suitcase that she barely fit in would have cut off the air supply. So just about as horrendous as you can imagine, beaten to a pulp and then God. put alive into it, basically buried alive in a suitcase, you know? Right. She was probably unconscious, you know, placed in the mm -hmm. suitcase, but still alive. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then suffocated in there slowly. What a piece of Hopefully shit. Hopefully still unconscious when she suffocated, not God, like, you imagine waking up in there and, oh, my, oh God. my God. It's like as awful as it gets. Dude, there we could do a series on people found in suitcases. You know, like there was yeah. that uh, that that uh, MI6 agent that we, did, we covered on Strange and Unexplained where mm -hmm. he was found in a suitcase in his hotel room and the keys to the suitcase were underneath oh, him. Oh, yeah. You remember that case? I remember that. I do. Oh, my do. gosh. There's just so many crazy cases like that. I mean, I know this is way different. That one is that one's still unsolved as far as I know. Yeah. Um but this one was unsolved for a while. A lot of the a lot of the uh YouTube videos and stuff that I watched on this case, they ended with the case still being unsolved. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so, very recent. Yeah. Yeah. We absolutely. do have yeah, we do have someone in uh behind bars for this now, thankfully. Good. So police determined that Valerie had been killed or gravely wounded elsewhere before her body was moved to the dump site afterwards. And in 2019, when she was murdered, Valerie Reyes lived in New Rochelle in Westchester County, New York. She was born to Sal Reyes and Norma Sanchez and was one of four siblings with one older and two younger brothers. Her mother described her as a compassionate and selfless young woman who worked hard to enjoy the little things in life. And there was not a single person that had anything bad to say about her. At the time of her death, she was working at a Barnes & Noble bookstore in East Chester, uh, which she loved that job, but she also dreamed of becoming a tattoo artist like one of her brothers. And she huh. would even let her brother, her brother, the tattoo artist, practice on her, her tattoo, you know, give her tattoos to practice. Oh, damn. Nice. Right. <clears throat> she herself was very creative. She loved to read, sing, draw portraits of her friends, and take long nature walks around where she lived. So... And she had an incredibly tight family. The Reyes family would get all get together on Sundays and meet up with her mom and siblings, and they would play board games, take a walk mm -hmm. in the park, just a, a weekly thing. So, right, it's this is as a, you can imagine, the family was devastated when she went missing and ultimately was found in this way. It always seems it always seems like it's these people that these types of crimes of passion happen to, right? It's like they're in a relationship; mm -hmm. they're an amazing person. And this person who lost them or who fucked this up, they just can't deal with it. They're, they're like, yeah. that's the one that got away. And I can't let that one that got away go, you know, bring joy to someone else. That's my joy that I'm missing out on, you know? My wife had a couple guys like this, exes, yeah. that they fucked it up. 
she's a type that if you're you treat her like crap she'll cut you off and be done and then they, yeah they realized immediately like be. oh shit i messed up and yeah, yeah there was like they, dude I'm, I'm telling like a year later after she had broken up with them like there's we've been together now for eight months or whatever and they're still leaving like birthday cards with cash in her truck and stuff like just couldn't oh, let man. it go you know yeah. well they know they know they missed out that's the one that got away mm -hmm. it's the one that got away you're it's lucky like you, you said, didn't have it's, any it's usually the best people that this happens to, unfortunately. Yes. You know? Yes. Because they're amazing the people. They people. don't people don't yeah. want to lose them. They don't want to lose them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't have treated them like shit in the first place. That's right. That's right. People take you take you for take people for granted. You take your relationships mm -hmm. for granted. This is what happens. Yeah. So on January twenty eighth, twenty nineteen, Valerie had told her mother, Norma, that she'd been getting anxiety attacks and that she had become scared that someone was going to murder her. This is what we briefly touched on earlier, this uh, foreshadowing. Yeah, I wish Just she would have day. been a little more specific, you know? Right. Or was well, she specific she, I, not, about this boyfriend? Because do you think she knew? I mean, I, I, I guess she had to... She had to I, I feel like... Okay, so anytime you come to this conclusion, right? It, before it happens, it always sounds crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, imagine if a family member came to you, like even a young female cousin or something like that, and was like, hey, somebody's trying to kill me. You're gonna be like, calm down. Like, like mm -hmm. let's think about this for a second. You're not really gonna take it serious, and nobody does until yeah. it happens. It's like so many people mm -hmm. think, like, this can't happen to me. They're not gonna take it that far. Yeah. And then they do. It's like, you can't even blame the family for not taking it. It's like, people say shit like this all the time, especially in this yeah. shock factor world that we live in. I mean, it's so easy to... to spout bullshit like this like i'm gonna kill you and shit like that that people say that shit every day on facebook i mean mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> it's just terrifying yeah. you never know when people are gonna follow through you have to take every threat seriously you really do yeah. yeah i i tend to think that she she had a feeling about this ex that she had been she with did. and like what he was capable of and unfortunately she didn't tell her mother and her mother didn't like this guy either we'll come to find out mother's intuition so, yeah yeah you just you wish that she had spoken up and told her mom that it was this guy that I'm worried about that I think he's still following me or whatever, and maybe her mom would have said come stay with me for a little while or something like that. You know, maybe it could have right. been avoided, but who knows? Who knows? As it was, she didn't tell her mom. You know who it was that she was worried about. She had broken up with her most recent boyfriend in January 24th, only four days before this conversation. But when Norma asked whether he was doing something to make her feel threatened, she said, no, that wasn't anything to do with him. And that would mm. be truthful. The, the most recent boyfriend was not the, the one not that the she culprit. was worried about. Yeah. Okay. So Norma, her mother tried to get more details, but she was shut down by Valerie. She, Valerie was not wanting to go into it any more than that. And sadly, this would be the last time that she would ever speak to her daughter. Later that evening, Valerie exchanged a phone call with her best friend, of almost a decade, Jeffrey Anderson. That conversation seemed to uh, mostly be about uh, Valerie's current anxieties as, um, as Joffrey said, he tried to talk her through the fears and of being attacked before saying goodnight to her at 1130. Maybe having that conversation we just talked about where you're saying, you know, like you maybe you're overreacting. And, right. You know, yeah. Who knows? But yeah, not the case. Yeah. So the next day, Tuesday, January 29th, Valerie and her mother Norma had plans to go to Home Depot together, but Valerie never showed up and wasn't answering any of her mother's texts or calls, which wasn't like her. And Norma assumed that Valerie was just overtired. You know, she's been going through a lot with anxiety, probably not sleeping a lot. And um, she just let her daughter be. But uh, by the next day, when she didn't show up to work the next morning on January 30th, that's when her parents fired up the alarms and filed a missing persons report with the new Rochelle police. Imagine the eeriness of that. And when your daughter tells you something like what she told you, and then yeah. that next day she doesn't show up to go to home Depot. And then the next day right. she doesn't show up to work. You're like, Oh no, yep. she's not answering your texts, your calls. Mm -hmm. You're not, you know, you're not on bad terms. Yeah. This is a yep. serious red flag right here. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that police did was search Valerie's apartment. The apartment seemed to be in normal order, but forensics did find a small amount of blood in various places. A small blood stain on Valerie's pillow, two small stains on the bathroom floor, and another one on the toilet. So maybe droplets. Okay. Not the biggest cause for alarm Alarm right away. You probably find the same kind of thing in most homes. You could get it from a bloody nose or a small cut yeah. or something, you know, just little droplets of blood. Absolutely. Um, 
Police also identified a number of items that were missing, though, from her apartment, including her iPhone, her iPad, her wallet, and several items of clothing and bedding, which is never a good yeah, sign when you see the good. missing bedding. And if it's not in the washer, you know, right? even if it is in the washer, really, but like, especially yeah, if the know, bedding's right? just gone, fucking yeah. bad sign. Like, yeah. that's like number one in my book. Yeah. And all that's electronics, bad. iPhone yeah. and iPad. Right. Yeah. That's not good. Not either. good. Not good. So her family and friends were insistent that she would not have just disappeared on her own contacts. So that makes, you know, the, all the, the devices being missing seem more suspicious when they say she wouldn't uh-huh. just leave. And so nope. why is all this stuff missing? Um, and that combined with Valerie's recent concerns that someone had wanted to kill her led police to believe that foul play was involved. Thankfully, they took this very seriously right from the jump. Um, yeah. And an immediate person of interest was the boyfriend who she had just broken up with recently. Um, as he could have been a potentially strong motive to hurt her, obviously having them just broken up. Um, but he was quickly ruled out as a suspect and actually took on a significant role in the search for Valerie. So who was it? Was it, you know, right. what the police were wondering that took this young girl. Police were looking everywhere in New Rochelle, New York city with no success. So they turned to the public for help, posting pictures of Valerie with descriptions of her outfit that she was seen in, which was a green coat, black jeans and black shoes. And the police were blowing this up all over social media, on the news. Um, and due to the fact that this, t- this case ultimately took place in two different states, because remember, her body was found in Connecticut and her, she lived right. in New York. Um, this was granted, obviously I done think it was on was right on the border, right? Because the, yeah. the body was found only 15 miles from her apartment. So, um, but, but because but the of this, it helped. The jurisdiction yeah. issues. Yeah. It helped. It helped. It slows I mean, if we learned down. anything over this case in today's age, back in the day, dropping bodies on uh, other state lines would be an advantage. Now it's a disadvantage because now you get law enforcement, different agencies involved. You get the FBI involved, you get multi-state yeah. jurisdiction. Like, not a good idea now. In the 70s, nope. great idea. Not yeah. a good idea now. No, because now, um, you know, police officers, they've seen this shit so much. Now they know that it's like, oh, wow, they, they went into another jurisdiction on purpose. They're yeah. actually trying. To, yeah. So this is someone, yeah, this is someone mm-hmm. who committed this crime for sure. This yeah. is not some one-off weird shit. So because it took place in two different states, the FBI was quickly called to help with the investigation. And they would get a break in the case when they were alerted that at 5 a.m. on January 29th, a few hours before or after Valerie was seen, her debit card was used at a bank in New Rochelle to withdraw $1,000 from her account. Mm. So she goes missing and all of a sudden her card's used to withdraw $1,000. The yep. surveillance footage from in and around the bank was looked at and showed a man wearing a black sweater and trousers and black Adidas trainers with white soles with his hood pulled up to hide his face. Damn, so they could tell now, what shoes he now was wearing? Like now you're like 100% sure, that, 100% sure there is foul play at this point. I 100%. Mean, yeah, no doubt. she's missing. Her card's used, and you look it up the footage, and it's a man in all black hoodie, everything. You're like, yeah, this is not good. Nope. This man parked a black Honda opposite the bank, entered the building, withdrew the money from an ATM, and then returned to the Honda and drove away. An hour and a half later, the same Honda was spotted again on security footage in new, at a new Rochelle inter, uh, intersection, and the license plate was recorded. And when the police would track down this number, they would find that it was registered to a rental car company uh, in an area called Flushing in Queens, New York City. So rental okay. car, clearly mm-hmm. this is some premeditation here to whoever did this. They're trying to cover their tracks not yeah. using their own vehicle. But of course, renting a car, it, it has traces. Even Takes if you try to use another person renting the car, right. is this, it, we'll see, it's still... So this car had been rented from January 28th to the 29th, only around the time when Valerie disappeared, another red flag. The mm-hmm. person it was officially rented to was quickly ruled out because he was, not, uh, he was not the only person who could have driven it. Customers could also add authorized drivers to their account. So the main person that rented it added some additional people that were able allowed to drive the car. One of these authorized drivers for the rental car was a man named Javier Rojas. And when police had interviewed Valerie's friends and family, they had, uh, they had heard about an ex, a guy named mm-hmm. Javier who Valerie had dated briefly in 2018, but who she had broken up with almost a year before her murder. Whoa. Valerie never got over. Yes, never got over. This is, Oof. Yikes. this is the stalker here. Valerie and Javier had met through a dating website and gone out for about three months before Valerie ended the relationship in April of 2018. Uh, because it had been a year since their breakup, Javier didn't initially strike the police as an immediate person of interest in the same way that her most recent ex had. That's understandable. Uh-huh. 
you got a year's time yeah. and then you had this ex that she just broke up with. Clearly it's going to be more likely to be the one that she just broke up with. But I wonder if he saw her out with this new guy and that's what sparked this. You'll see in the crime line later, it was even more than that. Something similar, okay. but okay. Like, creepier, creepier. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So interesting. When police were looking up the full name of Javier da Silva Rojas online, they found his social media accounts and they discovered that his profile picture matched a drawing that had been found in Valerie's apartment. You know, she was very artistic. She liked to draw mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So I'm guessing she would date people and probably draw each of them and things like that. Maybe yeah. something they did together. And she still had this drawing in her apartment of him. And it confirmed that, you know, he was in fact her ex-boyfriend. Because they'd heard, what, as we mentioned, that from the family that she had dated this guy named you know, Javier, you know. But now they yeah. got confirmation this is the same Javier. His address was registered to a condo in Flushing. And the police went to check it out on security cameras. And that's when they saw that on January 28th at 10.58 or 10.50 p.m. So it was the night that she went missing. Javier had left his condo wearing the exact outfit, all black with the same trainers and hood that the man using Valerie's bank account had worn. Uh, so Ooh. they're checking off boxes and connecting this whole puzzle here. Yes, uh, they the are. Next day, the next day at 9.45 a.m., Javier returned to his condo, but this time he was wearing a long tan-colored coat and carrying a duffel bag. Oh, not sus at Very all. Very suspicious. <laughs> Very suspicious. Yeah. Golly, dude. Yeah. Several minutes yeah. later, he left home again, that. this time without the duffel bag. Uh, so he had not been home at the time when Valerie was attacked. So once again, can't rule him out there. He has no right. alibi. He could not. Or he could be identified as having her bank card hours before she was. Uh, she was even known to be missing, and he had returned in a different outfit, suggesting he'd gotten rid of the clothes he'd been wearing previously. So, on February sixth, the day after Valerie's body had been discovered, Javier went back to the rental car company in Flushing and rented out the same Honda he'd used before. Mm. Very typical, right? <laughs> you turn in a car and then you go back to rent it the next day, right. briefly, so that you could go get it cleaned and then bring it back to the because you care so much about rental uh, cars and yeah. You know, yeah yeah you just want to be a good customer yeah you know that's right <laughs> uh, the location data showed a large cluster of wi-fi hits on javier's phone at a car wash in the bronx so he rented the same car that he'd rented before took it to a car wash then returned it the same day wow once again not suspicious at all it's like you know car rental companies clean the cars right when they get them yeah. back they had cleaned yeah they had cleaned it before yeah. he rented it again and then he went but i'm obviously not good enough to get the when you just killed someone i'm sure you're very you're thinking that's all you can think about all day probably can't sleep what did i fuck up on what did i fuck up on they're gonna find something yeah. in this car yeah well you fucked up you keep going back to things related to the crime that's how you fucked up. yeah but yeah now you're connecting yourself even more by going and renting yeah. that car again how are you going to explain that that's what i'm saying Wearing yeah. the same clothes, going to the You'd ATM, almost be better right? off if someone else rented it, right? Like you mm -hmm. turned it in, they clean it, someone else rents it. Now they're out driving it, putting their all DNA and all that shit in it. Yeah. Or then you go in and off, renting it again. You'd be better off just stealing a fucking car. Like if you're going to kill somebody, why yeah. have any trace to any vehicle? Like if you mm -hmm. just steal a fucking car at this point. Yeah. Like yep. what's, and just ditch it later or to return it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wear gloves, you know, wear a mask. Yeah. Why am I giving criminals advice on here? What the fuck? What <laughs> <laughs> right. Scratch that. Just rent cars. Put your name on the fucking receipt. <laughs> mm -hmm. So on February 11th, police uh, from from the from both Greenwich and New, Ro New Rochelle departments arrested Javier on charges of larceny for his use of uh, Valerie's bank bank card. So this is their opportunity to get him in custody so that they can yep. begin putting pressure on him. That's a definite. They don't really they care about the that. fucking fraud. They want him for murder. So exactly, this arrest enabled them to not only interrogate him but also get a search warrant for his apartment, where they found Valerie's driver's license and bank card in Javier's wallet. Ooh. damn, dude. that's hard to explain as well. You got this it in girl, your wallet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow, hide it in a fucking ceiling tile, or you know, like what are you doing, man? Seriously, what's it? What a fucking this guy's idiot. An idiot. Seriously, he deserves to be caught. There's a there's an element to this later where he he does say that he was trying to get caught. Oh, so I okay. guess this would give some credence to that. But then why sure. are you renting the car again and trying to clean it more? Yeah, if you want so badly to get caught. That's what I don't understand. I think he's just dumb. Uh, and later yeah. on, he's trying to act remorseful and trying to act like he felt so bad that he wanted to get caught. But I, I just don't buy it. 
Right. Or maybe he wanted to get caught so bad. That's why he kept doing all this shit. He was just like, God, they didn't get me for that car. You know what? I'm going to rent it again and just drive it around the police station. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. So Javier De Silva was uh, also 24 at the time of Valerie's murder. So they were the same age. And there's not a lot of information available about his background because he, you know, he came from another country. Um, he was from what is apparently a comfortable suburban area in the Caracas, uh, capital of Venezuela, and had dual citizenship in both Venezuela and Portugal. He studied journalism in Venezuela before moving to the U.S. in 2017, uh, where he was partaking in a special visa waiver scheme uh, where people were from a certain list of countries had come to stay in the U.S. for up to 90 days without a visa. But when his time came to an end, he just didn't leave. So he wasn't even here legally at the time. Uh, at this time, Venezuela was going through some serious political uh, and economic turmoil. So there was a lot going on over there. You almost don't blame him for wanting to stay here and not have to go right. back to that shit show. Right. Um, this is a an lot easy of way Venezuelans. Into. Yeah. A lot of Venezuelans at the time wanted to escape this situation over there. Um, so once in the U.S., he set up a home in Flushing in New York where he worked for a cleaning company and then a coffee shop as a barista. He spent a lot of time traveling around New York, D.C., and South America, and he was very into nature and travel photography. So he had that in common uh, with Valerie, loving nature and photography and artistic things. Um, He had a moderately large following on social media, apparently, on Instagram for his photos and things like that. And for the most part, people had good things to say about the guy. Um, You know, people said that he was thoughtful and kind. One of his former friends in college said that he tried to get her to... uh, get her help for her cancer cancer treatment in the u.s mm-hmm. um however one person was uh, less of a fan of him and that would be norma valerie's mother when mm-hmm. he was dating uh her daughter she was not a fan she said that he was manipulative and controlling and quote would not take no for an answer which is okay not good traits for someone dating your daughter you yeah. kind of want them to take no for an answer you know yeah Kind of creepy. She said that when they were dating that he uh, he had told Valerie that his mother was dying of cancer in Venezuela. And it's not clear whether that's actually true. And Norma believes that this was a manipulative tactic for him to... Because Valerie was such a, a good person. She felt bad for him. And mm-hmm. he could basically get his way all the time. Because he could just kept, keep leaning on that, my mom's dying thing. Right. Um, to Norma, this was just Javier trying to manipulate a kind-hearted Valerie into feeling sorry for him so that she would spend more time with him and do whatever he wanted. So, Damn. Yeah, I could uh, see that, but, gaining sympathy. Yeah. And it eventually, after three months, became clear that Javier was way more serious about their relationship than Valerie was. She was not looking to get married or anything like this at this point in her life. And it started to cause tension and ultimately she would break it off because she just wasn't looking for the type of relationship he was at this point. Do, do you think he was just interested in citizenship too? And he found a, he found a great yeah, you girl, know what? right? That's very possible. Very and then possible. he's like, I, I also that. need citizenship. So if I could marry win, a great win. girl, it's, you know, mm-hmm. two for one type deal. Maybe yes, he blames her. Yeah. Maybe he blames her for his opportunity of citizenship. And also, you know, mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier, she was an amazing person. So I'm sure that the loss of her in general was hard enough. But yeah. the fact now that you're still an illegal citizen, that looks even mm-hmm. worse. Yeah. So when Valerie decided to break up with Javier, he did not take it well and became quite combative to the point where Valerie decided to block him on every platform. And that mm. just confirms your your choice in breaking up with someone, you know, when they become immediately right. very childish and combative. And it's one thing to be yep. emotional initially, but like it, it, it carried on. It didn't, it was, it took a little while right. before she could finally cut ties completely with him. He was, uh, quote unquote, destroyed by this. And even months later in September, they broke up in April. He was still finding excuses to try and contact her. One time he messaged her saying he'd mistakenly used her debit card, uh, and wanted to reimburse her. So just finding ways to, you know, this mm-hmm. is a common stalker thing. Finding any way to, to get back in your life, weaseling their way back in. Right. Uh, it's like, why did he have her debit card anyways? Maybe he had her information. I'm wondering, is it modern day shit? Maybe like it was like saved in her saved. In his device or something. You know how like yeah. you put in, you buy something on a computer and it says, do you want to save this information? Who knows? It could have been something like that. Yeah. Like they share an Amazon could've account. Could have been an Amazon account. Like yeah. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. I know Amazon has like every form of payment I've ever used on that uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> saved. Right. Amazon knows exactly. everything about me. I got like nine different ways to buy something on Amazon. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Me too. They're like, how would you like, like to PayPal pay? PayPal account, like, my know. bank account, credit card. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I don't even have this many cards anymore. What the hell? Right. Uh, <laughs> the, you can buy with a piece of your soul as well, I think is an option. Yeah, that's right. Just yeah. put in your social security number. Just a small piece yeah. of your soul, not a big piece. Amazon will take anything. Yeah. <clears throat> so after a while, he seemed to leave Valerie alone finally. But the day after his arrest, back to after her murder, the police began his interrogation and clearly he was full of shit from the jump. Initially, I mean, there was just so many things that there's uh, there was no explanation for. Yeah. Having her, her license and credit card, uh, the rental car matching the one mm-hmm. that was seen uh, from the person getting the ATM deposit uh, withdrawals. Yeah. You disguised yourself again. at the ATM. Yeah, renting the car again, all of these things. Um, so initially he said that he'd found Valerie's wallet on the street while bar hopping in Manhattan. Well, isn't that convenient? A girl wow. that you happen to have a nasty breakup with and is now missing, you just happen to find her Dude, wallet on the street. That's so lucky. Um, what a coincidence. And also, even luckier is that he found a scrap of paper with the card's pin number tucked inside as well. Oh, so, cool. Man, he just... It's luck of the draw. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad yeah. some some criminal didn't find this, you know? Right. I'm so glad he found it and spent her money. And unlike for her. before when he tried to, you know, apologize and give her the money back for using her her debit card, he just went ahead and just withdrew as much money. Just started draining her bank account, you know. Right, right. That's what Makes she would sense. want. Yeah. Yeah. That's what exactly. she would want. He could you just send her an IOU like in Dumb and Dumber, you know? Right. <laughs> just a whole suitcase of them. Yeah. Maybe that's what you want to hold bag. on to that that's one. What was, that's a Lamborghini. That's a Lamborghini. That's yeah. That's you might right. want to hold on to that one. <laughs> that's a good one. That's okay. <laughs> so he also said that he had not been in New Rochelle or Connecticut over in over a year, which was obviously where her body was dumped. Um, and to that point, he hadn't seen Valerie since early 2018. He said, which could all be proven wrong very easily with his phone and location data. <laughs> Uh, eventually he admitted that he had driven his rental car to New Rochelle on the evening of the 28th. So they slowly start getting him to admit more and more and Mm -hmm. breaking down. He insisted that he was so drunk that he'd blacked out and couldn't remember anything else from that night. It's not an excuse for murder or abduction or or assault or anything. Nothing. The whole blackout thing. Well, I don't remember it. So therefore I shouldn't be like accountable for it. Sorry. Still did it. you, You get so drunk and drive that you black out and you run into a bunch of people and you're still accountable for it. Yep. Still manslaughter, bro. Yep. So the police questioned him some more and even showed him photos of Valerie's dead body after which, I mean, that wasn't the first time he's seen it. So yeah. Um, after which yeah. he changed his story again and tried to tell them that it had all been a, a, just an accident that oh, okay. uh, he had go. visited Valerie at her apartment on the night of January 28th. Despite them yeah. not having been together for more than nine months, he claimed that the two of them had sex during which Valerie had fallen and hitting her, hit her head. Okay. So she breaks up with you. It's a nasty breakup. Almost a year later, you show up in the middle of the night at her apartment. She lets you in. You guys have sex and she falls and hits her head. Sounds right? so believable What a stretch. This is a fucking sex mm-hmm. sent me to the ER situation. Yeah, right, bro. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. This is some bullshit. <laughs> this is... I mean, what? Right? he knows he's fucking dead in the water. So it's like, what mm-hmm. does he have to lose from bullshitting him a little bit more? And right. it's and it's what his word against either, nobody's. Though? Yeah, what, what does he, he have to also, gain? What do you have to gain, though? You're not getting sympathy? any sympathy as far as like the death penalty or something. Like, at least if you immediately came clean and say, you know, I'm sorry, it was a, a passion, crime of passion. I saw her yeah. with, a, with a, a new guy and I lost it. Less likely yeah. to get the death penalty for me than just fucking showing no remorse and just making a bunch of, bunch of lies and everything else. Yeah. Going to prison forever regardless, but... Well, it depends. It's like, really, what you're trying to do is just create confusion at this point, you know? And in mm-hmm. the court system, sometimes that's enough to get you off the death penalty if you just create yeah, enough doubt, you know? You just create enough doubt, and if you're enough, con- if you're convincing enough. But they just had too yeah, much circumstantial evidence. The problem evidence. with that is you have to stick to it and not, not waver five minutes later and then just keep going and, closer and closer to the actual story that happened. And there can't be concrete data and facts that disprove mm-hmm. it. You can't. Mm-hmm. It you has know? to be a and circumstantial this, case for this this yes, tactic to work here. Completely circumstantial. Which it was yes. far from a circumstantial case. There's plenty of physical evidence. <laughs> so much evidence. Yeah. <clears throat> so oh, he said that he had then panicked after they were having sex and she hit her head, thinking mm-hmm. that Valerie had died and that uh, he was going to be blamed for it. Yeah, no shit. He then tied her up with tape and twine that he'd found in her apartment to make her more compact. He put tape over her mouth so that she wouldn't be able to scream and in a monstrous act, put her in a suitcase still alive, which the two of them had used, the two of them had used for a vacation they had taken back when they were a couple, which just makes it even worse. 
Um, He then drove around with it before dropping it off at a random roadside in Greenwich where she was found. So that's his story. Mm. He said that he had then thrown her phone off of Whitestone Bridge before returning to his apartment where he decided to keep her Kindle and one of her pillows. Mm -hmm. But of course, his story didn't add up. Um, When he was arrested, his phone and location history were thoroughly examined and his DNA was taken and the results of these determined his uh, uh, just undermined his story even more Mm -hmm. a few days before her her disappearance Javier had texted a woman he appeared to be in a romantic relationship with that read quote I just found my ex fucking in my bed with the guy next door in New Rochelle on December after years so like you mentioned earlier you wonder if he had seen her with another guy out in public he'd actually been looking through her window watching her have supposedly have sex with a neighbor Uh supposedly according to him in his bed at his place. Well, I think he still views that as his bed because he still like views as them as being together or something, or maybe that actually was his bed that he left at her place or something. Who knows? But he, or the bottom line is he was just at her lie. apartment. He was at her apartment looking through a fucking window. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he did this. I don't know why he did this. This seems like an honest text right here, doesn't it? Like he's trying to gain sympathy from this new girl. Yeah. He's like, hey, you want to meet and have a revenge fuck now? Because hey, I, I know just we're kind of dating, but I know we're kind of dating, but I was just looking through my ex's window and it's all her fucking feel bad for me, <laughs> please. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. That's going to go over I, well. It's weird. I don't understand the motive beyond, for this. Beyond weird. This, I don't understand the motive yeah. for this at all. He's he's a fucking world class creeper. That's that's uh, it, that's the motive. It, it doesn't help your alibi because now you show how angry you are about this and how passionate yeah. you are. It doesn't help anything. I don't get it. What's up, Creepers? I want to tell you about a brand new podcast from USG Audio. It's a scripted cerebral thriller entitled The End Up with award-winning executive producer Sam Esmail and starring Himesh Patel, Merritt Weaver, John Reynolds, and Marianne Jean-Baptiste. The End Up is a story about connection. The story takes place in a tilted near-future world where terminal cancer patients who wish to end their suffering must attend a week-long boot camp. Two best friends wrestle with their goodbye after one enrolls in the program and the other grows skeptical. You can listen to the first three episodes on August 16th with new episodes dropping every Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe to The End Up wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get back to the show. So police would piece together the night that Valerie was killed, and this was their conclusion. When Javier left his condo on the evening of the 28th, he got a rental Honda and used Google Maps on his phone to find the directions to a church in New Rochelle, which was less than a mile away from Valerie's apartment. So he would park there, then drive to New Rochelle. After midnight, his phone's location data showed that he was only 200 feet away from Valerie's home. After that, he switched his phone to airplane mode. Really? Shouldn't you have done that prior, bro? Like, Yeah. Maybe... Like, I don't know. You, you, now it's just hard to even imagine getting away with murder in today's days. I was going to say print up a map at home, but then that shit's on your fucking computer. Do it right. at a library, but it's always going to be under an account with you or you're going to be seen on surveillance yeah. going to the library. Like, it's just no right. way. Well, there's always, and then there's always an IP address tied to every computer yeah. you use. Yeah. So if you use one, they're going to be like, okay, it's yeah. this computer. Okay, yeah. pull up the camera that looks at this computer. Okay, there he yeah. is. Map yeah, book, get, old school map book, maybe, but then you got to look, quest. you got to find her address, which means you have to like Google her name and get her address. And it's just like, right. Ah, good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Anyways, dude. but definitely like switch off location services a little further away than 200 feet from her apartment. <laughs> right. So, walking distance. And you're just now yeah. cutting it off. So then he switches his phone to airplane mode in an attempt to conceal his presence, which I don't even think works. Um, It'll just not, not allow incoming calls and texts, but I'm pretty sure that you can still be tracked. Pretty damn yeah, sure. Yeah, they can still locate you if that phone's on. Yeah. So it's unknown whether Valerie invited him into her apartment or he forced his way in. I'm going to go with the latter there. I seriously mm-hmm. doubt that if she was at this time, the day prior, telling her mom that she was uh, she was not able to sleep, that she was having anxiety attacks because she was worried she was going to get murdered, that she would just go and let this creepy fucking ex in her apartment the next day, like that night. I don't think so. Hmm. Well, you never know. So if it, he came in under the guise of, I just need to talk. I just need to sort some things out. She is a good person. I mean, she probably does still care about also, him. Also, maybe there was a level of her that was so afraid of him that she's like, maybe if I let him in and 
whatever. Yeah. Like we can sort you know, this out. He he won't try to do something terrible to me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So his DNA would be found on both a breast swab and a genital swab taken from Valerie. So they there was sexual content contact, whether it was consensual or not. Something went down. Mm-hmm. Um, they also found his DNA on the handles of the suitcase and under Valerie's fingernails. I mean, you can't get more fucking evidence. This is such it's so easy slam dunk. Yeah. For prosecution. Um, he and Valerie had an argument supposedly that resulted in Javier attacking her, beating her up, tying her up with a combination of tape and twine he found in her apartment, then putting her in the suitcase in his car uh, and then into the car. And, uh, police say Valerie was still alive during this time. He potentially then cleaned up the crime scene, which could be why there was so little evidence found there. Three hours later, Valerie's phone stopped pinging telecom towers, uh, indicating that her phone had also been placed in airplane mode. Around the same time, he used her phone to go through all of the contents of her iCloud, including all of her notes, her photos, just straight creepy, you know, just trying to find out who she'd been talking to, probably making himself even more filled with rage, seeing that she'd been talking to other guys or something. Yep. Um, He sat there doing this, going through all of her stuff for well over an hour, this part's fucking just so creepy to me. So after he'd gone through her phone, he then logged into Valerie's banking app and used her thumbprint to check her account balance. And Jesus. this suggests that he opened the case that she was in enough to retrieve one of her hands and use her thumb to unlock the app. Then presumably retied her as she was found with her hands tied behind her back. Oh my! So God. she's allegedly still alive in this suitcase, suffocating. And then he opens it just long enough to use her fingerprint so he can get access to her banking. Jesus Christ. Absolute fucking monster. Like he's a fucking hearing monster. these details would like I'd fucking give him the death penalty if I'm if all an advocate for it. You know, either you're against it or for it, I guess, to an extent. Yeah. This fucking son of a bitch. This is too much evidence. Yeah. yeah. It's just the level of depravity. Like at least kill her before you fucking put her in there alive and she's suffocating and now you're doing Seriously. that. Awful. Just yeah, I get it. The level of torture alone. This is torture. Yeah. This yeah. is. This is some yeah. of the worst torture people I could imagine, dude. Being mm-hmm. in a place locked up, you can't breathe, you can't mm-hmm. move, but you're conscious. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yep. That's stuff of nightmares right there. So after checking her balance, he went to the bank and withdrew that $1,000 that uh, we mentioned earlier. Then at about 6.30 a.m., his phone started pinging towers again. So he turned back on location services and took it out of airplane mode. Um, he seemed to go through much of New York state, Connecticut, and back to New Rochelle, then back to Connecticut again, and seemed to be searching for uh, a good spot to dump the suitcase. Finally, he would stop in Greenwich where he abandoned Valerie's body on the side of the road where it would be found two weeks later. So not smart enough to once again, to turn off location services where you dumped the fucking body. Yep. Like your location was seen right where the body was dumped. Once again, just idiotic. (laughs) He just, he just didn't have a lot of knowledge about this type of stuff, man. He just wasn't very not. technically savvy, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Quite a following Good. on Instagram for a minute there, though, apparently. Yeah. Tech savvy <laughs> enough for that. Well, it ain't hard to take pictures and post them on Instagram these days. Yeah. I mean, everybody's a photographer. <clears throat> yeah. So over the next couple of days, he used Valerie's bank account, uh, her card, to withdraw a total of $5,350 from her account, basically draining it. As previously stated, the police had identified a number of items missing from her apartment, including her phone, her iPad, her wallet, and bedding. And he had taken those and disposed of some of them and also taken the pillows to keep. But he'd been uh, he'd been the one to steal the iPad, which had been trading in an on- traded in an online marketplace for an Apple monitor and a laptop, which he was then seen later in a photo of himself with his new devices that he had gotten, this Apple monitor and laptop. <laughs> There's a photo of him smiling next to them. Um, like a trophy. Nice. So was once it again, like one just of those... making him look like a fucking monster. When you think about what he did to get those. I know. About as bad as it gets. He's already smiling. Like he's already mm-hmm. smiling. Obviously he feels no remorse. But was it was it yeah. one of those photos that like that the store takes when they sell something big? You know how like dealerships are very popular. They're very known for this where somebody buys a car and they're like, here's Sherry in her new Lexus. Like, you know, or whatever. I wonder if it was that type of... Like, remember when we did the case about the canoe man and he almost got away with it, except for he took a picture for a website in a certain place. Oh, yeah, that's supposed right. To be. Yeah, they took the picture of him and put it up. Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah, took the so picture. It I wasn't, if, it wasn't, I, it could have been taken in that context, but then he, okay. I believe, sent the picture to a friend, like bragging about his new shit. 
Mm. And so that's where the, I think the police got the photo from ultimately. Yep. Once you send it, so. dude, it's out there forever. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Good. So faced with all the evidence now, uh, he finally broke down and admitted to killing Valerie. He said that he had gotten into an argument with her while he was at her apartment that led to him repeatedly punching her in the head. And he knew she was still alive when he put her in the, in the suitcase. Once he admitted to the crime, he seemed to become very emotional about it and cried through many of the interviews and court appearances, constantly apologizing and insisting that he had actually intended to kill, not, not actually intended to kill her, and in fact tried to re uh, re um, revive, revive her, her multiple times. Yeah. I doubt that. I, yeah. I doubt that, man. You let her fucking suffocate alive in a suitcase after you'd beaten her to a bloody pulp. And, and then, then you opened it to get her thumb. Dumped her on the side of a fucking highway like a piece of trash. Yeah, you didn't do anything to try to save this woman. During one interview while behind bars, he said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what happened. I didn't mean to do it. I'm a bad person. She wasn't responding. I went to put my mouth on her mouth. I tried to put air in it. I'm a bad person. I did something wrong. I didn't call the police because I thought they would blame me. Yeah, he would even blame, uh, he even you uh, did it. claimed he would. <laughs> yeah, he even claimed he withdrew the cash from Valerie's account to deliberately drop attention to himself. Like we said, wanting to get caught. Um, and okay. so ultimately he was charged with one count of kidnapping resulting in death. If he went to trial and was found guilty, he could potentially fa face life in prison or the death penalty. Uh, but the case took a bit to go to uh, trial because it had to go through federal court as it had been taking place in two States, as we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. But, uh, also because his defense team kept trying to negotiate a plea deal for him, which they would ultimately land a plea deal on February 5th, 2020, and he would be plead guilty to the charge of kidnapping resulting in the death of Valerie Reyes, which I hate that charge, dude. This is fucking cold-blooded murder. This is murder. Premeditated murder. He went there knowing he was going to kill her. I'm sorry. Right. It's like, I realized that she was alive when he took her, but he, the way that he took her is impossible to live through. You mm -hmm. know what? You see what I'm saying? That's he like, rented a fucking car uh, through someone else in all these means to disguise himself because he knew he was going to kill her. You don't like yeah. get someone else to rent a car for you and put like uh, try and disguise your whereabouts, turn off your location services, all this shit yeah. to go over there and try and get back together with her or whatever. He knew what he was going to do. Absolutely. And uh, like her death was not an accident. Like that's the, what these charges feel like to me. You don't Kidnapping put layers of resulting tape on somebody. In death. Yes. Yeah. You don't put layers of Fold tape them on up somebody accidentally. Yeah. yeah. What you do? Fall Dump in their some body on the side of a highway. Tape? Like, come on, man. Yeah, it's mind blowing to me that there was no murder charge here. The audacity. Yeah. Ultimately, he would be sentenced to thirty years in jail plus two years of supervised probation, so he can actually get out in his fifties. Mm. To me, it's just mind blowing. Like he, he that's this should be life. Up. Yeah. In White Plains Federal Court, Valerie's mother, Norma, gave an impact statement at the sentencing saying, quote, you deserve nothing but pain and rejection. I want you to hear the words of a mother who you devastated by taking away my baby girl. To which Javier apologized saying, quote, no words can express how repulsed I am by what I did. I will never forgive myself. I cannot ask you to forgive me because I don't deserve it. I would like you to know I'm very sorry. And as we mentioned, if he makes it through the 30-year sentence, he will be only 55 years old. Um, however, immigration services has already indicated that they would likely deport him back to Venezuela once his sentence is over. Mm. And so he can go be a creep over there. Seriously. He doesn't even deserve that, dude. I right. cannot believe he doesn't get life minimum. I don't know how there's not a murder charge. It's clear. Like, I don't there's get it, dude. Clear, it's not even like murder, too. This should be like first degree murder with premeditation. Yes. Like, so clear what he was heading there to do for me, turning off all the. Uh, tracking shit on his phone or at so, least trying to so the only thing that keeps him from getting a definite murder charge is the time of death this is frustrating this is i'm not sure the why fuck? they did that yeah you see what i'm saying so so let's say he he obviously attacked her right mm -hmm. so if he attacks her knocks her over the head and they can confirm that she died right then then they would give yeah, him a murder charge murder maybe but the fact that she was just knocked unconscious but then he proceeded to suffocate her like, she asphyxiated because of him. Asphyxiation yeah. was the cause of death. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like this is a really easy time. Because he murder. taped her mouth with a, layers and layers of tape and then put her into a fucking yes. suitcase. Yeah. Yes. That's this, had, that's the same as putting your hands around someone's throat and... Th and, and th absolutely. That's actually a, a, whole, a, whole of a, lot, a hell of a lot worse, actually. I'd much rather 
anyone would rather just be strangled to death than deal with that being right. taped up and put in a suitcase after you were bludgeoned to death, basically. Seriously. I mean, yeah, it's, it's about as horrendous of a way to die at someone else's hands as you can think of. And for there not to be a murder charge to me is just mind blowing. Yeah, it's absolutely devastating, dude. And then all of the evidence, all of the mm -hmm. evidence, all of the anger that he had towards her and God, and then her going around talking about she felt like somebody was after her. Oh, it's just so disheartening, dude, that this guy got away with this shit. Like, yeah, getting out at 55 would be a gift for him. That's pretty young, man. That's, In today's that's day, young. that's pretty young. He, he could still have another 30 years of life ahead of him after that. Do you think... Whereas now, do you think has been gone. Exactly. Now, do you think that the U.S. just doesn't care about his case as much because they know he's going to be extradited upon getting out so maybe they took it a little bit less serious because they're like hey look if this guy gets out he's not going to be our problem we're not going to let him stay here maybe you know it's like well this will be venezuela's problem now they have a you know a, a killer over there maybe. I, I don't know man it just yeah maybe they wanted to save some tax dollars by not that's what i'm saying here another 30 years in prison right yeah God, and what state still, was this again? I mean, this was New York. Still, there's there's innocent human so, beings in Venezuela that could be harmed by this piece of shit. So if you just care about humanity at all, you know, he should be behind bars forever. Right, but so, we know how we know how people are. Money is king, and yeah. if you know, you can get out cheaper giving this guy a thirty year sentence. I don't know how. I yeah. mean, I don't know how New York is with uh, with executions. But I'm sure they're not they're not executing people left and right. They're probably a lot like California, no. honestly. Yeah. So but still, he deserves life. Minimum. He took yep. a life. You should have to give up your life. I mean. Yeah. Oh, you man. also don't have to give up your life to have great smelling armpits. You do not, uh, man. With all natural deodorant. That's that's an advantage. You know? That's True. a real advantage of living it today and being free <laughs> and having the choice to choose. That's right. Natural deodorant. Like Oh My Gaia, for instance. I mean if you want a suggestion from us, that's where I'd start. Oh My yep. Guy is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. And at Oh My Guy, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, like we always say, there's tons of scents to choose from, as well as scented oils and beard oils, guys. If you're growing out your beard for the winter, we got No Shave November coming up. You might as well start now, right? Get you a little jump on that. Get you some beard oil from Oh My Gaia. There's tons of scents to choose from, from vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather. And honestly, is there a better scent for a beard oil than Lumberjack? I mean, it's in the freaking name, dude. It's like the perfect, right. perfect beard oil right there. If you don't know where to start, you got to be old lumberjack beard get you some lumberjack scent man complete the look yep. honeysuckle fireside bergamot amber pear sweet pea sailor barbershop barbershop's one of my favorites it is i've been wearing a lot of barbershop lately i've been switching it up i love egyptian musk uh but i love that barbershop too it's so fresh it's clean oh, you i just, love it yep i love that scent. it's in my rotation it's in my rotation right yes, now it's tobacco caramel which is Ooh. uh the scent that only michael and i have i believe pretty much yeah maybe one other person did you ever got yours Actually, I don't have tobacco yet. I don't have it yet. Oh, uh, you. I, I have, but it's my fault. I, I I haven't messaged Wendy about it. I just mentioned it on okay. the show. She may she have not have heard she that needs episode. To make that a, she needs to make that a scent available. Really? Okay. It's so good. We need to talk yeah. to her. That one's Maybe. in the rotation. Some barbershop, some lumberjack, and yeah. some true crime pine, of course, is in my true crime rotation. Pine, which I didn't even mention right. yet. I was going to say, we have our very own scent called true crime pine. Maybe mm -hmm. we could talk. Maybe if you no, know, maybe if Wendy uh, hasn't planned on keeping the tobacco, maybe we can uh, put a, a true crime spin on that one as well. You know, we can help <laughs> help her market that Make one as ours. well. I don't know what we'll, yeah. what we'll call it, but uh, we'll think of something. We'll call it the smoking gun or some shit like that. It'll be cool. Uh, Dude, something but, to do with a creep van because I mean, yeah. it's candy and cigarette smell. It's kind of like a creeper. You know? <laughs> it's kind of creepy. <laughs> creep van right, caramel. Right? Let's go. Creep van caramel. <laughs> <laughs> right i don't know all right but guys because you're true crime guys listeners you can use the word creeper and you can get 15 percent off your order at shop underscore oh my Gaia on instagram or ohmygaia.com that's o-h-m-y-g-a-i-a.com and again that's code word creeper for 15 percent off you won't regret it guys give it a shot let us know what you think that's right do it right. also check out our other weekly sponsor tonic cbd 
Their farm-to-bottle plus botanical blends are form- formulated to provide targeted support where you need it most. They have uh, high-quality ingredients thoughtfully selected for their ability to support and enhance the benefits of CBD, resulting in a more effective, well-rounded, and consistent wellness solution for your mind and body. They also have a bunch of different blends. Uh, personal story about uh, Tonic real quick. My mom has been, it's changed her, uh, her sleep patterns. She's so thankful I gave her a bottle of uh, Grounded, and she's yeah. been taking it religiously every night and getting she says she sleeps like a rock wakes up feeling rested she has sleep apnea and has one of the machines and stuff and i have not seen her so well rested in the mornings so between her sleep apnea machine and and grounded she just yeah. she sleeps and she goes into that uh rem sleep at night now and Perfect. she's a different person different person mm-hmm. so you're happy in the morning instead of just exhausted so and that's that's when you really and that's when you really notice the benefits of cbd is the consistency once it's mm-hmm. the consistency of use Yep. It's, it's I like really to take it an hour before benefits. bed and you just start feeling more and more tired as an hour yeah. goes by and you're just ready for bed when it's time. Yep. You're relaxed. You're at peace. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So with uh, values rooted in quality, integrity, and sustainability, Tonic is committed to creating plant-based wellness products that are good for the people and good for the planet. Visit tonicvibes.com to learn more and use code word creeper at checkout for 20% off your order. That's tonicvibes.com code word creeper for 20% off. Right on. Yep. Right on. And also check out our Patreon. Yes. Patreon.com slash true crime guys. Two bucks a month. Get you access to our premium episodes once a month when we're not on the main feed. We're over there doing an episode for yep. the, for the uh, patron members. And that's two bucks a month or $20, 21, something like that per year to just yeah. be, pay up front and be done for a year. And you can and also you, hear. Sh- there's so many episodes. I mean, we've d- been doing one epi- one premium episode a month for the last like four years. So I don't know how many that amounts to. Actually, I think it's it's, it's over five years now because we're uh, there's over sixty something episodes. Wow. Um, yeah. As well as if you are a new listener, uh, you can hear the first fifty episodes of True Crime Guys. They're available on Patreon oh, yeah. on the two dollar tier as well in the vault. So if you're yeah. if you're binging through the podcast, you're like, where's the first fifty episodes? You know, they're on they're on Patreon. They are in the vault, so you can hear those mm-hmm. as well. Start all the way back with number one if you like, and uh, yeah, join yeah, us. On dur- the I'm trying to remember back to some of those. Would be like Richard Ramirez, the two parter on that. Randy Kraft, Will, probably William Jose Vagoa, right? This the yeah. Scarface of Sin City, like some of our Bonnie best ones. Bonnie and Clyde, Bonnie like and Clyde, that. Kitty Genovese. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, there's just there's a shit ton of so them many. on there, like we say. Randy Kraft. Yeah, that's number William one. Bonin. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So all that over right. there. And then on the $5 tier, you get Just the Banter, which we're about to record. That's our extra show yep. where we just sit around and talk. It's just the banter. It's not necessarily about true crime. It's about, it could be about anything. Listeners ask us, ask us questions and yeah. we record that every week and post that on Fridays. Uh, it's usually anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour long. Uh, me and Michael just shooting the shit, talking about yep. life. You learn a little bit more about us, our personal lives, things like that. So that's on the $5 tier. And obviously you get the rest of the $2 tier stuff too on that tier. Right. Um, you also get my five minute murder show. You get, uh, all of Michael's contents with Sandu, Sandu stories, all of that stuff. It's, yep. it's so Sandu much, stories, it's almost too much. To even strange shorts every Monday. Yep. You get early releases of Sandu proper. If you guys listen to strange and unexplained, which is available on the free platform, you get early access to those episodes on Thursday instead of uh, Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tons of content on Patreon guys. We appreciate it. Yep all of your support on there. If you're, if you're not a patron, we, st- we appreciate it as well, but please consider checking out patreon.com slash true crime guys. We promise it'd be worth it. Shit ton of content yep. on there. Shit. Ton. Yep. So, all right. all right. Anything else? There's also links to everything, links to the source for this episode, sources for yes. this episode, links to uh, our sponsors, links to um, our merch. There, we have yes. merch available. If you want a shirt or a hat or a patch, like click the links bef- below the episode. Right. And also our social media. If you don't follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're all over there. We have a private Facebook group ran by a listener, Michelle K, which yep. you can find like-minded creepers on, share memes about murder and things like that on there. Check that out. And that about does it. We'll see you guys next week. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. True crime guys, in the desert we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us cause you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming.
what the minds of true crime guys come. TCG Weekly. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to check out all the other programs on the TCG Network. Every Wednesday, a new episode of True Crime Guys proper, Strange and Unexplained on Mondays, and Full House Fantasy Football on Fridays to start your weekend. If those aren't enough, head on over to our Patreon account, where you can have access to hundreds of hours of content, including older episodes and other Patreon exclusives like Strange Shorts, Sandu Stories, Higher Thoughts, and the 5-Minute Murder Show. But until next time, guys, keep creeping. How do you you shut this thing off? Over? Over?